One of my mentors says to me that you should know within 48 hours of hiring somebody whether you've made the right decision. And if you haven't, get rid of them. As a parent, you really know who your audience is when you're speaking to your kids. We need to remember that with everybody that we want to communicate with, particularly in the workplace. The more you can understand who it is that needs to hear your message, the more success you'll have in getting that message across. Welcome to season five of the Making a Marketer podcast with your hosts, Megan Powers with Event Marketing Partners and Powers of Marketing and Jen Cole with Gretemann Group and Xstand. This show is for all levels of experience talking marketing and business with the best guests in the industry. It's important to keep up on the latest trends and topics and this is just the spot. Two guarantees, you will learn and laugh. Here we go. Welcome to episode 99 of the Making a Marketer podcast. This show is made possible by Powers of Marketing. We provide podcast and event production, hosting and emceeing. And we hadn't gone live for a minute and now it's back to back weeks. This was planned to be live. Chad's last with last week was not exactly planned to be live, but I love going live and I'm welcoming new guests. Welcome to Mel Kettle. How are you today? I am fantastic. Thank you so much for inviting me onto the show. I'm really excited to be here. For sure. If you can't tell, if you don't know Mel, she is from Down Under. Where in Australia are you? So I live in a town called Caloundra, which is on the Sunshine Coast, which is just north of Brisbane. So on the East Coast. If you're familiar with Sydney, I'm about a 14 hour drive from Sydney heading north. Okay. It's almost exactly 10 years ago was in Brisbane. So while I was in Melbourne, Sydney, and then Early Beach. Early Beach is spectacular. Yeah. Yeah. It was lovely. I wanted to you know, see the Great Barrier Reef, but I wanted to stay on land. <laughs> All right. I'm going to read Mel's bio for y'all. Mel Kettle is an expert at communication that earns trust. She understands how to create strategies that have immediate, meaningful impact. With more than two decades of experience in strategic communication and leadership and a unique educational combination of a master of business and marketing and a master of public health, Mel is a valuable asset to leaders and teams that want to achieve real connection and sustained engagement. Clients rave about Mel's sharp insight, her ability to simplify the complex and her capacity to mobilize people and ideas so they can increase their visibility and influence. Mel has been recognized in the Leaders Hum 2022 power list of the top 200 biggest voices in leadership. She is the host of podcast This Connected Life and author of The Social Association, her second book called Fully Connected, will be out mid-2022. That's exciting. It is so exciting and I just can't wait to get it finished. So I submitted another draft to my editor on Friday. And there were big happy dances and lots of cheers when that happened. <laughs> Fantastic. Absolutely. Well, let's get underway at this early hour of where you are. So I would love for you to first start by telling our listeners what led you to start your own company and what has kept you going for so many years. Oh, so I've been working for myself since 2006. I can't believe it's been 16 years nearly. I was working in senior roles in the state government and I just got to a point where 
I'd hit that point where you start to get embroiled in the state politics, whether you want to or not. And I just decided that that wasn't really what I was wanting. And so I thought, what else is there to do? And I really didn't like my job, didn't like the the way that the organisation was going. And so I decided it was time to do something a bit different. So I backed myself and I left and I wanted to just quit. But my husband said to me, take six months, leave without pay because you can as a public servant. And I said, no, no. And he said, no, seriously, you need a backup. And I said, I don't ever want to go back there. And he said, you're putting yourself out there as a marketing communication consultant. If you can't sell enough to, and market yourself enough in that first six months, do you really deserve to call yourself that? And I went, yeah, wow. hey, harsh, harsh but fair. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was how it started. So in my early days, the work that I did was really operationally focused I wrote more annual reports than one person ever deserves to write. And then as time progressed, my confidence grew and now I do a lot more work. Mostly the work I do is strategic and working with leaders and teams to help them, you know, communicate and connect to create real engagement and to earn trust. (laughs) Fantastic. I love it. Okay. So I think people often think that the communication of a company is being just an outward thing. Mm. Like when the most important communications can really happening internally first. So within ourselves, yes, but within the company also. So do you have any tips for helping companies get internally aligned so that their external communications then help their brand shine and of course, hopefully Mm. drive sales? I think the first thing that's really important for an organization is to be really, really clear on what's your purpose and what are your values. And once you're clear on that, then hire for that. What I mean by that, I love the story that you've probably had guests share the story of when JFK went to NASA. He did a tour behind the scenes and he said to a janitor, what is it that you do here? And the janitor, whose job was clearly to keep the place clean, said to John F. Kennedy, I'm here to help put a man on the moon. And so at NASA in the 60s, everybody was really, really clear on what their purpose was. If you ask your team and your staff, what do we do around here? They all should have the same answer or some version of that same answer. And so if they don't, then you need to be really clear on what that purpose is for your organization. And then secondly, when it comes to values, you need to be really clear on what it is that you stand for. And values aren't just words. Values are lived experiences and actions and behaviors and attitudes that you take. So they need to be led from the top, obviously, but you also need to make sure that you hire based on value. And what I mean by that is if you've got three candidates for a position and they've all got the same skill set, ask questions to make sure that the one that you select has the same values, lived experiences to demonstrate those values that you as an organization stand for. I was chatting with a colleague recently who's the CEO of a nonprofit with about maybe 150 staff. And he said to me, in the 10 years he had been there, they had only ever made hiring mistakes twice where they had to let go of two of their staff members. And I went back and said, what is it? What was wrong with the process? And he said, we reverse engineered the process to see why we made a mistake with those two. And he said, when it came to those two positions, we were really desperate to get people in those roles. And so we hired really quickly and we didn't ask the value-based questions. And so because they didn't share our values, they weren't the right fit. I love that. Yeah. I would say that the worst interview experiences I've had have been, yeah, just containing nothing about that. And and for me, I'm always interviewing them too, right? Like I want to know from them as much if they're aligned with Mm -hmm. me. Absolutely. 
Yeah. Because, you know, you go to work for so much of your life. If you don't love the job that you've got, or at least if you don't love some element of it, and I fully understand that I come from a complete place of privilege where I love what I do every day, but I've certainly had jobs where I haven't <laughs> and they haven't lasted very long. But you have to at least you have to at least love something about your job, whether it's a person you work with, whether it's a piece of work that you do, whether it's the organisation and what it stands for. And if there's absolutely nothing that you love about your job apart from the paycheck, think closely about whether you're doing the right thing for you at the time. I had a job interview years ago and it was the last job before I quit and started consulting. And I did three job interviews in a week and there were two that I really wanted and one I didn't. And of course, I was offered the one I didn't really want. And the reason I didn't want it is because the interview panel, the person I'd be working for who was on the interview panel just sat there with a poker face the whole time. She gave nothing away. And so when she called me to say, I'd like to offer you the job. I said, oh, that's lovely. Thank you. Can I come in and have a chat? I've got some more questions. And she was really shocked that I didn't immediately say, thanks, that's great. When can I start? But I went in and I asked her some questions. And one of the questions I asked her was, what's the culture like around here? And she just took a step back because I don't think anybody had ever asked her that question before. And I think a lot of recruiters and hirers forget that an interview needs to be a two-way process. The candidate needs to be interviewing you as much as you're interviewing them. And if that doesn't happen, then that's a really red flag as a recruiter because it suggests that the person just wants a job, any job, because they need a job. Right. For sure. Hi, Jen. Thanks for being with us. Um, she she commented, yeah, it seems like people need to be shown how valued they are in order to answer that mm-hmm. kind of question with such conviction. Yeah. Well, and I do think, too, that I like the saying, um, higher, slow, fire, fast. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Because you definitely should should be taking the mm-hmm. time on both sides. Yeah. One of my mentors says to me that you should know within 48 hours of hiring somebody whether you've made the right decision. And if you haven't, get rid of them. Yeah, it's a little more challenging with this remote work. Thing. Like it is. I started yes. a new job yesterday and I haven't even spoken mm-hmm. to my boss yet. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's I've that. Got, but it's yeah. okay. I've, I've got a friend who met her colleagues for the first time in January this year. <laughs> yeah. And she'd been working there for a year. Oh, wow. Yeah, that is happening, I think, mm-hmm. quite a bit based on the last couple of years. All right, so let's talk about leadership. What makes a leader fully connected and how can leaders develop a culture of belonging within the organization um, where two their very, workforce is aligned and productive? Yeah. Two very big questions. So I really believe that before you can be connected to other people, you need to be connected to yourself. And so the fully connected piece is how do you know yourself? How do you know yourself, love yourself, trust yourself? And there's three components that I believe come around being fully connected. You need to be self-aware. So how self-aware are you when it comes to your attitudes, your emotions, your feelings, what they mean and how they show themselves in your behaviours? And the other part of self-awareness is how aware are you of how other people see you and perceive you? Do they see you and perceive you as someone who's worth getting to know and who has attributes that they hold in high regard as a leader or do they not? The second part of being fully connected is how self-motivated are you? Do you wake up in the morning and go, right, I know what I need to do today and I'm going to get there? 
Do you know your personal purpose? Do you know your personal values? Do you know your personal goals? And this is true whether you're, you know, starting out in your career, whether you work for yourself or whether you're employed by somebody else. The more you can be self-motivated and driven, that's what makes you get out of bed and do things every day. And then the third part of being fully connected is self-care. How much do you look after yourself? Do you manage your energy? Do you have good personal health care plans in place? Do you eat the right food, drink enough water, get enough sleep at night, get enough rest and movement during the day? Do you exercise enough? Do you go to the doctor and know what your general health status is? Because if you don't do those things, then you'll probably find that your energy isn't quite where it needs to be to live as full a life as you can possibly have. Yeah. I mean, I think that goes for everyone, leadership and team, right? All of those things. Absolutely. But also if if you're embodying that as a leader, then your team will see that it's okay to do those things. So if you say, I make sure that I get eight hours sleep a night and I don't work until midnight every night and I practice what I preach, then your team will do that too and they'll be happier and they'll be healthier and they'll have stronger relationships because they won't be grumpy and cranky all the time. Right. <laughs> um, there's nothing worse than being sleep deprived because your brain doesn't fire on all cylinders when you don't have enough sleep or when you don't feel well. And so that makes it really, really difficult to do what you need to be doing and what you want to be doing. And I can see that Jen has said, say no to hustle culture. Oh my God, I cannot stand the word hustle. Gary V has a lot to answer for with that. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. (laughs) I think that we need to, as as a culture, we need to slow down and we need to simplify our lives. And COVID's been a really good opportunity for people to start doing that. So now that we're going back into the office, How do we keep those really good habits that so many people develop during COVID of, you know, exercising every day and cooking healthy meals and eating really well and spending time together with your family and your friends, whether it was virtually or in person? How do we make sure that we maintain those practices that we've developed over the last two years? Yeah. For sure. I do think that that element, especially of the working from home, of being able to just hop off and go for a walk where you might not necessarily feel inclined to do that when you're you're in an office of people. But yeah, making time for it, of course, is super, super important. And it's not so, that when you're in the office, it's when you add in the commute that so many people yeah. have. And that adds another, you know, two or three hours to a work day for so many people, then you don't have the energy to go to exercise afterwards or before because you're getting up so much earlier. <laughs> Yeah, no, absolutely. Yes, for sure. All right. So as we were prepping for for the show and what direction to take, you mentioned the word conviction quite a bit. So I'd love you to share, like, what would you say shows conviction and how can we show it in our communication? So I think there's four ways that we show up as communicators. We can come across as conniving. We can come across as a bit clueless and scatty. We can come across as chaotic or we can come across as convincing. And when we're convincing, we normally are communicating with heart compared to letting our ego push its way through. And we're normally really engaged with the person or the people that we're communicating with rather than being unfocused and unsure of what we're saying and thinking and doing. And one of the ways that we become really engaged as communicators is when we're strategic and we have a plan in place, we know what we're doing, we've thought through what it is that we want to say and do and we've thought through what the response is that we want our people to have in response to the communication that we're putting out there. And I think that when we're convincing, 
people are much more likely to know us, love us and trust us because we come across as being confident. And we also come across as being people who are worth knowing. And not everybody who's convincing in their communication is charismatic, but a lot of people are. And so we draw people in. Yeah. Well, and leaders should be drawing people in, right? <laughs> That's super important. It should be. And I'm just yeah. looking at leaders that are at the forefront of the media in Australia at the moment, and so many of them are repelling people away. Well, and that's a politics is something next level in terms of we haven't had a lot of leadership in general, I think, as of late. And then Jen commenting on the last last part of our chat um, at my agency, the whole group exercise classes over the lunch periods on certain days. I think that's awesome. I love that. That's yeah, fantastic. That. So you said you believe communications about connection and relationships and not technology. So as a comms person myself, I got my master's in communication and leadership studies just about eight years ago. So right. I believe this whole yeah, I believe this wholeheartedly. So I I technology is a vehicle, right? But it doesn't guarantee a connection. So what can individuals or companies do as they develop strategies or plans to focus on the message over the medium? I think the first thing that organizations need to realize is that email is for information, not communication. So many organizations rely on email as their primary form of getting the message out there. It's just so easy to ignore or delete an email. Was doing a, running a workshop with a client last year and it was, you know, to look at how we could improve their communication strategy. And their overarching question to me was, how many direct mail emails can we send out to our membership base every week? And I just said, what? I said, how many direct mails can we send out to our membership base every week? And I said, how else do you communicate with them? And they said, that's the only way. What year was that? Last year. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. This wasn't when email first came out. This was last year. (laughs) And I think that we forget, like we get so caught up in which communication channel do I need to use? Do I need to be on Facebook? Do I need to be on LinkedIn? Do I need to be doing video conferencing? Do I need to be attending meetings and holding events? And do I need to be on TikTok? That so often the, the method of communication, it swamps the actual message and the fact that communication is about a relationship. So if you really want people to take action from the piece of communication that you have sent, and whether that action is to listen to it, to change behavior, to work for you, donate money for you, do whatever it is that you're wanting them to do, you need to make sure that message is getting to them in a way that they want to be receiving it. And the way that we can do that is to really understand our audience. So who is it that you're communicating to? And I'll give an example quite often of if you've got small children, you wouldn't speak to them as though you were lecturing adults in an economics classroom. You wouldn't talk to them as though they were adults. You talk to children in language that they understand because you inherently know that if you don't, they won't know what you're talking about and they won't do what you need them to do. So an example of that is if a kid is about to touch their, touch something on the stove and burn themselves, you call out, stop. You don't say cease and desist. <laughs> <laughs> That's and, fair. <laughs> and so as a parent, you really know who your audience is when you're speaking to your kids. We need to remember that with everybody that we want to communicate with, particularly in the workplace. We need to be conscious of people who might not have the same level of education as you, who might not be able to hear you clearly, who might have any sort of other preference, who might be of a different generation. 
and who like to communicate in different ways. So the more you can understand who it is that needs to hear your message, the more success you'll have in getting that message across. And I remember I did an exercise with a client and with another client last year, and they said to me, do we really need to be everywhere on social media? And I said, well, I don't know. Let's have a look and see what channels are you using and who are you trying to reach? And it was an organisation that had to reach staff, customers and members of the community. And so we decided that they probably did need to be everywhere, but they probably didn't need to be on TikTok right now, but they needed to have really good internal processes to communicate with their staff. They needed to have really clear direct communication processes to communicate to their customers. And they needed to be on Facebook to be communicating more broadly with their general community and to leverage the sponsorships and the other opportunities that came out into their community. But it was a really interesting exercise because we managed to get rid of a few of the channels that they were using that weren't giving them any return on the investment of time that was going into those channels. Yeah. I always say, well, to your first point, meet people where they are. Um, that direct mail, I recommend that now as like a differentiator, right? To let's, let's every once in a while, let's, you know, maybe once a quarter do a direct mail piece because it might be more likely to get seen than your email. These were EDMs. Sorry, I wasn't clear. These were electronics. So these were all out, but going out by email, but I absolutely agree. A piece of direct mail in the post is definitely a differentiator. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then also the you don't have to be everywhere on social, right? But you should, wherever you are, you should be doing it well and you should be engaging with your audience and all that kind That's of it. stuff. And yeah, most organizations sure. need to be somewhere. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'll even recommend, you should be on this platform, but if you're not going to do it, then just take it down. Like I'd, I'd rather have you not have the account on the platform than to have it and to look like you're not. Yeah, you know, you're just not the, doing the, it. Um, the recommendation I give is a little is is similar to that. I say keep your account there, but put a pinned post that says we have this account because we might want to come back to it. But this is where you'll find us if you need to get in touch with us. We're on LinkedIn or we're on Twitter or here's our website. Yeah. But we don't currently use Facebook as a communication tool. Yeah, I mean that, and then you're at least that you're at least found. Jen says Bath and Body Works direct mail works really well for me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there are those, yeah, the retailers who have um, sort of figured out how to dial in, get the reaction from their customers. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit. Um, I, I worked um, in the association space a little bit. I, I mean, I worked for a foundation, but I, within that space, worked in meetings and events where I was working with association people. So, and my friend uh, Kiki L'Italien has a group and an, actually an online show that she's been doing for years and years called Association Chat. And um, so you, it, it sparked my interest when I saw that you wrote a book called The Social Association. So I wondered if we could, before we get your book, as my second to last question, could we could talk a little bit about what do you, what do you think is the key, the top key skill, like in your book, the subtitle, they said there's five, that you say would help them increase their member engagement generate ROI, create a thriving community. It's a lot to talk about all three of those. So you can just pick one (laughs) if you want. What Um, what is one of those top five skills? I think the top skill is to be strategic, is to have a strategy to begin with the end in mind. Uh, I'm a big Stephen Covey fan. So know what it is that you're wanting to achieve and create a strategy to help you get there. And then a core part of that strategy needs to be knowing who your members are and knowing who your audience is and who you're selling to, who you're marketing to. So, but they're not the only audience that you probably need to be reaching. So I think the number one thing is, you know, think strategically, 
and take the time to develop a really good communication strategy that is very closely linked to your overarching strategic plan or strategic intent because they all need to, everything you do needs to link back to your overarching purpose for your organisation, whether you're an association or, you know, a cafe, a small suburban cafe. You've got an overarching purpose and everything you do needs to be driving to you towards you achieving that. Yeah, I would agree with that for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, And Jen, I love Jen's, all these comments, I'm not keeping up. I don't know. Which was a smart and considered idea, but I am sure it was all of them. Uh, and then either for your people, I think that um, yeah, absolutely. I absolutely agree with that. Yeah. All right. So, so sorry, just one more thing with yeah. be there for your people. One of my favorite quotes is Maya Angelou. People will always remember how you make them feel. And so one of the things I think as we start coming out of COVID is people will remember how you treated them and how you made them feel over the last two years. And there's been a lot of talk about the great resignation. And I think a lot of that comes from the fact that people don't feel they've been treated as they deserve to be. And so if you're looking at how you can improve how you work over the next coming period of time, treat your people, uh, you know, think, look at how you treat your people. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Communication is so important and it gets overlooked. You have to be deliberate and conscious. And as you say, like go back to those company values. And if they're not treating you in a way you deserve to be treated, then maybe those company values aren't being upheld. Right. And Richard Branson says communication is the most important skill a leader can have. And um, it never ceases to amaze me how many leaders I see who don't seem to have it as a priority and they don't seem to want to know how to improve. So if you're a leader or an emerging leader, look at what you need to be doing to be seen as somebody who communicates with conviction which and with heart and who genuinely wants to be engaging with the people that you're engaging with at any given time. Yeah, for sure. Or you shouldn't be in a leadership position, in my opinion. Absolutely. Find something else yeah. to do. Yeah, for sure. All right. Awesome. That I love, 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 love all of this. Okay. So um, the last thing is we love for our guests to recommend a business book that they recommend. Um, and what, what book do you have today? So it's not a business book as such, but it's a book by Dr. Vivek Murphy called Together. So he was the Surgeon General of the United States during the Obama era. Um, He talks about loneliness and he talks about loneliness, health and what happens when we find connection. And one of the reasons I love that book is because loneliness is such a massive problem in society and it's a huge problem for leaders in business as well. And there was some research that came out a couple of years ago that said something like 65% of people in senior leadership roles say that they're lonely at work and two out of three, I think it's two out of three people say that they're lonely at work every week, regardless of their level, of their, the level that they have in the organisation. And so what is it that we can be doing to make sure that people feel less lonely? And you mentioned earlier, and we didn't get to talk about this today, but maybe next time, how do you create a culture of belonging? Well, one of the ways you do that is by making sure that your people feel valued. And one of the ways you can make people feel valued is by communicating with heart and conviction. Absolutely. And that's going to be a phone call or a video chat more often than not just an email, although an email can be good. It's not going to be quite hit it the way that that you need to. I think there's, there's, that's amazing when, when top level, like CXO level people actually reach out. Even a text message is better than an email. If you're just wanting to let somebody know that you're thinking of them, just a quick text 
you know, one of our neighbours got some bad news, bad health news recently, and I've just been sending a quick text every week saying, we're thinking of you, no need to reply. Yeah. And she's, she always replies and says, thank you so much. Really appreciate your thoughts. Yeah. And it takes me five seconds. Yeah, exactly. I love that. Yeah. And I I have friends who I will text them and like, you know, childhood friends that I haven't seen in a while. Do you have time to chat? And they're like, is everything okay? I said, all right, let's normalize like that not sounding an alarm bell. Let's normalize like actually talking with each other on a regular basis again. Like, so yeah, I love it. I just have a funny texting story. I texted my niece who's 15, a photo of the two of us together that I found. And I texted her ages ago and she texted me back and said, oh my God, I love this so much. And the gap of time between me sending it and her responding was five months. And she said to me, I never look at my text messages. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. (laughs) Okay, that's a good lesson. Good to remember. You should have snapped her, Mel. That's what I said. I said, I should have said you snap, shouldn't I? And she went, yes, you should have. And I went, I'll remember that. That's funny. Oh, my gosh. Hilarious. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. All right. Well, thank you so much, Mel. We, I appreciate you being on so much. Episode 99. It's not 100, but it's it's still a memorable it's, number. Thank you so much. And congratulations for getting to 100. I'm really looking forward to that episode as well. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, we will be teasing that out along with um, sharing some feedback we've gotten from our reached out to all of our guests over the previous 97 episodes or, or whatever. And so we'll be using in our marketing moving forward. Thank you, Jen, for being with us in the chat. Thank you to everyone who is watching or watching the replay or listening on the pod. We appreciate you so much. Please, if you would take a moment to follow, rate, and review us on your platform of choice so that we get seen by more folks. All right. Thanks, Mel. Thanks very much. This has been episode 99 of the Making a Marketer podcast, and we will see you at 100. Bye, y'all.